Mama You Thought podcast, the safe space to discuss the ups and downs of being a mom and surviving one day at a time. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome to episode two of Oh Mama You Thought. Thank you guys for tuning back in for another installment of my new podcast, Oh Mama You Thought. Um, with us just being two episodes in, I hope you are enjoying what I'm saying so far. I hope you had the opportunity to check out my other podcast, Oh You Thought, for everything else besides parenthood. I do kind of mention some parenting stuff on on that podcast, but again, welcome, welcome back to episode two. Oh, you thought that potty training would not be so bad. The devil is a liar, 100%. And I should have prepared myself more than what I did over this past weekend. And this is attempt number two to try to get my son potty trained. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to brag on my son when it's due. Like, my son is very, very smart, right? And so... I know he's ready to to go to the bathroom and get rid of these expensive diapers, right? You know, he's curious about going to the potty. He can take a nap and still be dry. He can go a couple of hours um, without using the bathroom, have a dry diaper or pull up as we wear it around the house. And he also, you know, what was I getting ready to say? I just lost my total train of thought. It's been a long, long day. But anyways, he has all the cues basically that lets you know that he's ready to potty train, right? Oh, the other thing I was going to say, he, he would tug at his diaper or he's uncomfortable in his diapers or he'll tell me that he's wet or he wants to be changed. Like these are things that he does. So that was the other point I was trying to make. And so you're thinking, okay. First time he wasn't too engaged with it or whatever. So I was like, okay, we're going to wait a little bit, a little bit longer, a little bit turned into a couple of months. And so something just hit me. We got to, you know, get some of these goals off of our list for this year, as far as certain goals that I have for my son and his advancement and his growth and all this stuff. Right. And so this is on the top of the list. And plus, you know, you have pressures from the outside world oh that baby shouldn't be in diapers no more well number one he's a toddler not a baby he's my baby and you know pressures from his grammy and all those things and he's getting ready to be three in september and so i just want to make sure we have enough time to get him fully potty trained before starting pre-k or anything like that so you know let's work work on Let's say he starts to wet the bed and things like that. I just want to be able to get over these humps before we get into long term, going to school, needing to wear underwear, all those great things. Right. And so I had already read a book on potty training, the three day method. I read that book and, you know, took my notes like a good OCD nerd type of person did all that great stuff. And I'm like, okay. I'm mentally prepared, I'm financially prepared because I'm so tired of spending money on diapers. And let me tell you, I've been buying pull-ups for the house because 
at his daycare, they don't allow pull-ups until he's really potty trained, but I'll, you know, go further in on that as far as me just pulling the cord and saying, hey, he's coming to school in pull-ups. And so I had been buying diapers for daycare slash the house. So I would put him in a diaper on the mornings he goes to daycare. So he has on the right, you know, wear for his daycare. And the crazy thing about it, my nephew's uh, daycare, they have a class where they will move your kid up and they will potty train them at school, which is very helpful. He's still not fully potty trained like at home and he'll use the bathroom. He'll use the potty at school and all those great things. Where's pull-ups, all those great things. But I would love for my son to have, you know, an opportunity like that. As much money that we pay for daycare, and when I say we, I mean collectively, all the parents out there paying money for daycare, small level, large level, whatever, it's expensive. So some of that stuff should just be automatic, you know, especially when you don't have the time to sit at home and carve out more than three three days to get this stuck in your your child's head um to really get the potty training done so we need to have that in all daycares like let the teachers and the assistants and all that help with this process and so we get to monday after our three-day weekend because i took off Friday because his school was closed for a good Friday. So I said, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to retry the three-day method. And so got treats. I printed out different um, potty sticker charts that caters to the characters that he likes, like Blippi, Mickey Mouse, and I did a Black Panther one. So I did all these things. I even printed out another um, chart for brushing his teeth because we are struggling with that. It's like we've, we've gone backwards. And again, I'm OCD about hygiene and my son's probably gonna get tired of me. And I know he's only two, but it's imperative to get this stuff locked down. If you got teeth in your mouth, you need to be brushing them teeth twice a day, my friend, and really touching your teeth. And so my struggle is with him. He wants to just get the the toothpaste off the the toothbrush and he'll suck on the toothbrush even when i just put a little dot because he's been going to the dentist since his first uh tooth came out because he has to go right and so so he's been brushing his teeth for a while and so he was doing good at one point and sometimes it's a fight sometimes it's okay sometimes it's a bribe it's just a lot of fights so i i you know got that chart for that so we're working on things and um, got toys. I got big toys for when you actually pee on the pot, like all these different books, you know, what they say and videos I watched before um, doing the potty training last week to refresh myself. So I did all these things. And the one nugget that I took away from the book took out of my process that I got from the book is asking your child if they have to potty. A video I saw on YouTube before doing the potty training um, suggested that you say, tell mommy when you need to potty. So it gives, again, it aligns with gentle parenting of giving your child 
the brain and the, the power and the trust to communicate with you and let you know that they need to go potty and for them to start picking up these triggers in their brains, in their bodies, that something something is happening with their body and something needs to be done, right? So that was my thing. And so the method I followed, again, this this bit was not in the book. It was on a video that I saw. And uh, basically, whatever your child sleeps in at night, diaper, pull up, whatever, you you know, you start your morning, you eat breakfast, all those great things after breakfast, making sure they're drinking something, water, juice, all that great stuff. After breakfast, you're going to put them in underwear. And then some people will not do underwear. Some people will do pull-ups. So whatever, you know, you want that to look like for you. But for me, I wanted to go ahead and get straight to it. It was a big celebration. You're a big boy today. You're going to wear your big boy underwear. Which underwear do you want to pick out? He had like eight different packs of underwear that he could choose from. So he had a lot of choices. And so first day, we probably went through five or six pair of underwear. So it was a lot of, you can tell he understands what needs to happen. But again, my son is also going through another phase of control and I don't know where he learned this phrase from but he uses it a lot (laughs) at this point and he used it all weekend I don't want that I don't want that I don't want that and so it was kind of struggle a struggle to get him to sit on the potty and so after the first attempt of trying to get him to sit on the potty and the struggles with that um, if he didn't from the books to the videos, if they don't pee the first attempt, um, you're going to check every 15 minutes. You're going to set a timer for every 15 minutes. Um, no, let me take that back. It's 15 minutes after breakfast. And then if there's no peeing on the pot, the first attempt, you're going to do five minutes until every five minutes until they pee on the pot. So we got to that point on the first day it was an amazing thing he was able to get a treat out of the bag all that great stuff and yeah it felt like I had a puppy in my home (laughs) like like he was trying to mark his territory and just peeing all over the place and it would be like one of those things where we just got off the potty and boom he peed or I thought that I I cleaned up the pee from where I thought I saw it. And then there was another puddle over here. And my thing was this, that I guess was a mistake for my child and listening to the books and the videos. And they basically say that you need to let your child just drink, 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 drink. So that's what I did the first day, like breakfast, a lot of juice. He loves apple juice. So drink, 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 drink. And so he didn't pee the first time, drink some more. He didn't pee the second time, drink some more. And then he just started pissing all over the place. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And so my mom was like, stop giving him something to drink. Well, I was like, they say you need to do this so you can learn their cues on when they need to go to the bathroom and they need to know what it feels like to have to go to the bathroom. And my sister was like, okay, he's standing on his (laughs) tiptoes. That's his cue. And it was just funny because you could tell like he was, maybe a little embarrassed, maybe not embarrassed. And because my my sister was here, so he was dealing with having company over here while we're doing this process. And the same thing kind of happened on Saturday. 
um, my best friend and his son came over. His son is about the same age as my son just turned two. My son is like two and a half. Um, they come over. So I put him in, um, his pull up. So I don't have to try to maintain that and, you know, give him a break so he can enjoy having his friend over, which he did. So that was good. Um, by the time we get to Sunday, he's asking to go to the potty, but he's not peeing on the potty. No messes or anything like that. So basically he peed in the morning while having breakfast. He peed, um, during his long nap and, he was able to have another pull-up on because it was time for bed. Um, he didn't have any more mistakes after I changed him after his nap time. So, you know, at least he was asking, right? But just no peeing on the pot. And there again, normally my son does not pee a lot. Doesn't pee a lot. So that's normal. And so the first day it's just like, well, maybe you should cater to what your child really does at this point, right? Because why would you want to deal with something crazy like that when it's not going to be really their normal? If they can just learn to control yourself, and this is just my opinion on their normal bodily schedule, because I feel like we all have a schedule to certain a certain degree. It was at one point where I had my body trained not to use the bathroom at work. And it was at a particular job where I hated the bathrooms. It's not at the job I'm at right now. And I would just train myself not to use the bathroom. And same thing like when I was in school, when I was in high school or junior high, I really tried not to go to the bathroom. So my thing is this, his body is probably already trained as far as when he really needs to go to the bathroom. And typically we already know when he needs to um you know, take a dump or something like that. It's typically right in the morning, right after oatmeal or something like that. Or if he's at home, he he goes at least maybe twice a day versus at school. I think my son is shy or embarrassed to poop at school. So nine times out of 10, he doesn't poop at school. And this started maybe a few months ago. Um, But he may like, he, he goes currently three days a week. He may poop one day out of those three days. But typically when I look at the report, he doesn't poop. And I get it. And there again, it's just another trait from his mama. But yeah, it's it's crazy. We're still fighting the good fight. Um, send him to school on Monday. Um, let them know, hey, we went back to potty training. I'm sending him in a pull-up. I'm sending him a few pull-ups in case he acts to go potty because His teacher did let me know that they do have a potty in their classroom, but they do not teach them to potty. And if they do come to school fully trained or whatever, then they will let them use the potty. And another big milestone, like he he is actually the first, you know, student in his class that is really attempting potty training. And so I let them know. And then um, I tell him to update me. So I pick him up on Monday and, um, you know, I have a long note from um, the assistant director and she kind of gives me an update saying, hey, his teacher tried to put him on the potty in the morning and, you know, he was upset. I'm I'm pretty sure he's probably saying, I don't want that. I don't want that. (laughs) And so, um, so he didn't pee the first time. And then, um, When he did actually pee on the potty, he peed a little bit. Then he got up and started peeing all over the floor. And 
they tell me again that my son is not communicating and all these things, which I think, again, he's taking a page from his mama's book. I was extremely shy all through school. I, I, I'm still a shy person, but I know how to communicate more and talk more. But to the core, I'm very, very quiet. And so I was extremely shy in school and I wouldn't talk. Um, but there again, he's a younger age right now, fresh in daycare where some kids are still at home at this age. So he does his work and all the stuff they say overall, he's a good kid, but he just won't communicate. He won't respond to questions and things like that. So I think it's, you know, purely severely shy because he talks a lot and he knows all he hits all his milestones and beyond as far as words and all that stuff. So I just want to make that clear, but it still is on the radar kind of thinking about selective, uh, uh, selective, uh, muting mutism. Um, I saw that on Google and it's just like, you don't want to diagnose your, your kid. I want him to keep growing and learning. So nonetheless, so they kind of bring that up again. And my thing is this, if he's doing his work and all this stuff, which the only bad side is to him being so quiet is they don't know how smart he is. And because he probably could be into the next class, like the pre-K class, because that's how advanced he is as far as what he knows and what he talks and does at home. So, boom, we get to today. Um, oh, and they also requested pull-ups that, you know, um, that separate on the side instead of the full pull up like underwear, which I like better because they fit more like underwear because other pull ups that latch on the side, they didn't fit too well. And so they were very tight, to be honest, as far as what his diaper size is supposed to be. So I hated those, but I found a, a different brand. And so I bought another pair, another box of pull ups. And I say, hey, he's still going to wear the ones I have at home. Um, Because there again, I bought a box for daycare. He's going to wear the ones we have at home in the morning. And then once he gets to daycare, he can wear the other pull-ups. So, and then today I, you know, they asked me, are there certain things that you say, different cues? And I just kind of explained that, you know, what I did, the every 15 minute method and how I say, don't forget to tell mommy, you need to go to the bathroom, which some of the stuff they can't do at school, of course. And I let them know about Blippi and how I say, we're going to say our ABCs when we sit on the potty. We're going to count. We're going to sing this song, that song. So I let them know all those little things. And so it was a very long note that I left. And so hopefully he has a better day today. That's what I'm praying. So that was my big, long, oh, mama, you thought moment for this week. And as far as the positivity message, it correlates to the main topic that we're going to get into for this episode. And that is C-section mamas, kids born via C-section. And this is my message to the mothers that have been made to feel some kind of way because you had a C-section versus a vaginal birth. This episode is dedicated to you. I am with you, you know. I would like to bring awareness to C-section since this, to C-sections since this is um, C-section, I can't talk, cesarean slash C-section awareness month. And this month is almost over. And so 
being able to to carry a child is a blessing in itself, number one. But to me, it doesn't matter, like, if you deliver the baby vaginally or via a cesarean. Like, you got to take proud, take pride in yourself, number one, that you were able to carry that child in your body for however long that you carry that baby and you got your child safely here and let's stop some of the shame that comes along with how your child arrives like i see it all the time on the mommy boards parent boards and groups that i'm in the great debates over having a c-section versus vaginal birth and it's like do you really think that for the most part this is our choice to have a cesarean and I'm a mother that had an emergency C-section to save my child. And so if it wasn't for that, and I was in a situation where they were still trying to make me push or something rather than let's just get this baby out of here. Because again, I told my t- story last week on my son being a NICU baby and all the challenges he went through. What if that wasn't an option? to have a c-section so I just I don't understand the debate or trying to make a woman feel like she's not woman enough to push a baby out of her and I just think that's not fair that's not fair it's not right it's judgmental for no reason because at the end of the day are we worried more about the child or how you're going to be seen to other mothers and it's just like a mother is a mother because you carried your baby or you know like it just I, I never understood that debate at all. And so be a little nicer to other women. <laughs> and also for women that are trying to conceive to moms that have lost babies to moms that can't carry a baby to all these females that have different avenues to becoming a mom or never have that avenue of becoming a mom like this debate is just unnecessary it's just unnecessary and so like I said um the focal point of this episode um is c-section awareness month and so I just kind of want to just bring some stats to the forefront of where we are as far as C-sections in America. And most of these stats are per the CDC from 2020. I know a lot of you don't, you know, you like to down the CDC or whatever, but this is what their job is. Part of their job is giving us stats. And so I didn't really know that, you know, having a C-section was this popular um, in America or just overall, Of course, you hear about, you know, C-sections being scheduled versus emergency C-sections and all those things. Um, But C-sections, they account for about 38% of the births in America. On the other side, which um, accounts for 1.2 million. On the other side, with the vaginal deliveries, it's about 2.5 million. And there's other layers that you can add on this number um, as far as C-sections, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And I think for the most part, everyone understands 
why a C-section would be needed. Maybe you don't understand and maybe that's why you're being judgmental to other women that have to go through this. And I just want to say I was thankful because you hear horror stories about how hard it is to recover from having a C-section because it's a major surgery. You're cutting through X amount of layers of skin. You're being sewn back up. You're expected to get up the next day, walk around. They won't let you leave the hospital until you poop. And you have to wear these crazy underwear, which I think also if you have a vaginal birth, you do the same because it's just stuff going on down there, period. But you have to take care of the wound and make sure there again, me being a diabetic, making sure it's healing properly. And I'm just thankful that I didn't have any issues. Like, I don't know, my whole pregnancy, my whole delivery process, it's like I remember it, but I don't. And I feel like, again, like I just kind of put my mind into a different gear just to get by and to survive the whole process. And so I was able to get up the next day. Um, I was able to go home within a few days. I was walking around, going to see my baby every day um, in the NICU. I think the thing that kept me there the longest was my sugar and my blood pressure um, not being stable. So that's why I had an extended stay on that regard. And then the crazy thing about it Once I was picked up from the hospital, you're not supposed to do anything crazy or drive for, I think, about a week or two or until your first doctor checkup. I was driving the next day to go see my baby in the NICU. And so it's crazy, right? Single mom already out here doing it by myself. A lot of people told me how crazy I was, but I was out here doing it so No complications from my C-section. But the whole experience is just out of body. Remember getting the shot, the painkiller shot or whatever, and being so scared that if I move the wrong way and I don't know, it's it's a weird feeling. You don't really feel anything, but you can feel them poking you. And I was like, hey, I can still feel you poking me, but of course I can't feel them cutting me, but I can feel them poking. And I was like, I can feel you poking me. And she was like, that's normal. It's the sensation of knowing that something is there, but it shouldn't be painful. And so again, me being a black woman and some of the things we have to go through as far as in the healthcare field alone, as far as doctors and being taken seriously when we say when when we say we're in pain or something is wrong but that's a topic for another day but I do kind of touch on it later and so I am a little panic panicked um during the process but it's going pretty smooth um for me the only problem I had was just the tugging feel that was painful when they were tugging my baby boy out of me and I just remember you know, one of the nurses just telling me to breathe and my sister saying, you're not breathing. (laughs) And it was like the pulling sensation. It was just like pressure. I guess the pressure was my baby actually coming on out of me or whatever. But either way, you're a superwoman if you give birth via vaginally. You're a supermom if you give birth via um, a C-section. 
that's my take on it. Um, so like I said, why are C-sections needed? Um, for the most part, it's, for the most part, they're emergencies. You know, sometimes they will be scheduled when they can already tell that the baby's going to be too big to come down your, your, um, birth canal or the baby could be turned the wrong way. The baby can be in distress. Um, you can be in distress. Those are typically the reasons for having a C-section. And so, like I basically just stated with C-section, C-sections making up 38% in 2020, um, the form of giving birth, who I'm talking really bad. It's like towards the end of the day. Um, I'm recording really late. Um, so that's about one in three American babies are born via C-section and sometimes they're last minute. And so between 2018 and 2020, um, C-sections were the highest for black infants at 35%. And then in second were Asians at 33%. And so again, when I tell you people of color, women of color, were just so disproportioned in certain categories where it counts. And I'm about to get on my, you know, my soapbox a little bit, healthcare and jobs, like women first, as far as all women, like we're paid so much lower than men in all categories of the workflow, work life. And then second, like we have to be real and break it down to women of color um, as far as how much we're paid. And that's on a higher scale versus, you know, white women. And so it needs to be an ongoing conversation to really level the playing field in all categories across the board. And if the disport and if it's disproportionate in other categories for non, um, women of color, then let's fix that. We say we live in America and everybody should have equal opportunities. I feel like we really need to work harder at making these things happen and not just doing it for a month or a year or during one president's um, term or whatever the case may be, but keeping it on the board and intentional and remember that it's important for everyone to have access to good Healthcare. Healthcare is not affordable. And we need to still dial back how to make healthcare even more affordable for all people in America. And that's a topic for another day. And so another reason which, you know, a lot of the the woke people will definitely say this. Another reason C-section um, rates are high is because doctors, they get paid more to deliver via a C-section. And baby, let me tell you, having a baby is expensive, but having a C-section is expensive. Having your baby in the NICU is expensive. But I will say this, even before all those other bills got racked on, we're going to talk about how healthcare works and how healthcare can also be a scam as far as trying to get your money that can be in your pocket. So basically, and I've already known this because I used to verify insurance. So how insurance works on the high level is not new to me. And so towards 
halfway through my pregnancy, they they present me with a payment plan for my doctor to deliver my baby. And this is without knowing that I'm going to have a baby via C-section, right? So high risk pregnancy, specialists involved, all these things, right? And so I think it was like two grand they wanted me to pay. And at this time, doing all this on my own, paying out of pocket for all these co-pays to see my OB, to see the specialist OB, going to uh, my endocrine, endocrine, I can say this word, endocrineologist. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm, um, I'm stuck on that word today, but I promise you I can say it. And basically internal medicine, dealing with my diabetes or whatever. And so I'm going to him more often, which shout out to Dr. Amir Hassan, my favorite doctor, period. And shout out to my OB, Dr. Casey McLeod. Love her. Love, love, love her. Um, so they wanted this money and I was just like, I don't have it. And so payment plan. And so I had already started making payments on this. Off, reached out to the father of the baby. He don't got nothing. He don't got nothing, right? Conversation for another day. And so uh, we get to this point, and like I told you on the first episode, the story of how I have to go to the hospital. So basically, as soon as you walk into the hospital for something major like that, your deductible is made. And sidebar, I used to work in an ER, and I had to quit the job because I felt bad. I felt like it was there again, I'm seeing the hustle that goes on in healthcare. And so my job was verifying benefits and going into these rooms with people that are in the ER and begging them for their copay and trying to get more than just their copay, especially if they have a deductible to make. And our quota for the month was $2,000 that we had to get. And I just felt it was just morally wrong to have that set in stone what you had to get um, in a situation like that. I just thought it was bad business. And so I had to leave that job. Um, so yeah, so as soon as I walked into the, the, the ER, I met my quota. And so after having my child, I see the bill. And, you know, of course, when you meet your deductible, all this stuff, everything begins, everything after that, um, starts to be free depending on what kind of um, insurance you have right and so doctor appointment zero dollars at this point got some reimbursement checks back because of this and so after having my baby it was that bill was about two hundred thousand dollars my friends so if you're on the fence and you don't have insurance get insurance having kids it's just, it's so expensive. And, you know, I knew this before having a child, and but I know it even more now. Plan out when you're young. If you know you want to be a mother, put some kind of fun together because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Put some kind of fun together to where you can't touch the money and just do a little bit here and there. And then when you get in your right situation to have your child, whatever that situation looks like for you, you have some rainy day money to the side or to to pay out cash for some stuff because prepare your pockets girls and so again knowing that 
I did try to fight the fact that they wanted me to pay this money up front because I knew as soon as I walked in the door, deductible is met. So I just know, I just pay it. I say, it's a hustle, it's a hustle, it's a hustle. I know how it works. I know how it works. And so again, be mindful, be mindful when you're preparing for these things. And then even after meeting my deductible, there were some in-between stuff before my son was put on my insurance and before he got his Medicaid insurance, it was some stuff that was not covered, right? And so I had to eat the bill for about $3,000 and I just recently finished paying that off last week. Whoop, whoop. So kudos for that. One less thing, still on the journey to try to get a house, but I digress. And so long story short, it's, it's, it's expensive. And then to wrap this topic up, um, stop placing judgment. Be nice. Just make sure your child gets here safely. Mind your own motherhood, parenthood. Why? Why would you want to tear down other women that have a C-section? And, you know, just to share another story about my pregnancy, like, I didn't want to push. I didn't want to. I was so scared of having a vaginal birth. And I think, you know, God was with me all the way. And he knew what was best for me as far as having this C-section because I think I would have died having a vaginal birth. Like I just, I couldn't see myself making it. And so I look at women that have a vaginal birth sometimes and they, and I hear their stories like of the hours of being in labor or their vagina tearing in spots. And of course you hear stuff like that. You got to commend them. And, but you still have to think about, again, that lady that went through a C-section and everything she went through, those that don't have a, a good recovery after because you hear some horror stories about people not being able to feel their toes and and just a lot of problems or never being able to feel below where they have that cut and you know or worse things than that and so everyone has a journey and everyone should just be applauded for being a super mom because you got your kiddo here you know um, one other topic that I wanted to, to bring up, um, are you mindful in regards to how you talk to your children, how you communicate to your ch- children? Um, do you believe that there is a certain way you should talk to your children at certain ages? Um, like for example, some people feel like you shouldn't do any kind of baby talk at all, no matter if they're a baby baby or a toddler or anything like that. And I just feel like it's lovey dubby, lovey dubby, dubby. I really can't talk. <laughs> um, language, like it's just an, another way to be cute with your kids. And so for those that do it all the time and it's just too much. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, but what, what I really mean is, do you talk to your children with good intentions? And what I mean by that is feeding to, to 
their love language basically or their communication style are you building up their inner voice and I I feel like you know certain people may miss that because how they were raised and I feel like in my generation generations before me were raised differently and I feel like because of that that is definitely something that I wanted to change as far as how I speak over my child, how I talk to my child, what I put in my child's ear. And no, I'm not perfect. Um, I do get upset sometimes and I lose my patience with my son and we're both figuring this thing out. Me being a mom and him just learning what life is and so he can be who he wants to be and so it's a struggle so by no means am I saying I'm an angel and I'm just speaking love and light to my son all the time no but in those moments when I do make a mistake I really do apologize to my son I didn't get that so that was another thing that I wanted to correct like if you in those moments where you felt like you were wronged by your parent whether how they talk to you or anything Having an apology and the acknowledgement of feelings, which again is something that is in the scope of gentle parenting, is what I really want to do with my son and what I do practice with my son. I speak nothing but positive outcomes in his life, over his life, as far as what he may want to be. I make sure I, you know, cater to whatever thing he may be interested in at this moment. And I cater to that. Let's learn more about that. Let's watch some videos on what you like, like excavators. Like he loves those excavator toys. He can tell you all the parts of an excavator. And so I'll say things like this. You want to be a little farmer? You want to do construction? What do you want to do? This is what an excavator is used for and I just make sure I cater into those things and I just kind of just realized I was using that fake voice like (laughs) like I talked about last week but that's neither here nor there but just make sure you, you do things like that and be intentional with how you speak to your children because from reading some books and looking online like that becomes their inner voice and I think I agree with that I do agree with that because I know what my inner voice sounds like from my parents and what I dealt with and still deal with sometimes from that inner voice and so if you know better you do better and so if you're not doing that try doing that make sure you're just very intentional about how you speak to your children And how you love your children, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be the same walk as me and talk as me, but whatever love means to you. Because all of this starts at home. The good morals, how you treat other people, how you respect yourself. And with all the craziness that's going on in this world, it's so, so important to make sure that your children are covered and prepared for life. And so um, I'll leave you with one um, of my favorite quotes from the week. And I may do this every week from anxious moms if they keep giving me good content to share. And again, this is from anxious moms on Instagram. 
And so it's a little conversation that, again, I can identify with. And it goes along with not being able to identify because, of course, how can you how could you identify with having anxiety as a kid if no one was able to see that? And so that's also another thing that I kind of look out for in regards to my son. Yes, he's two. So I'm not, you know, too worried right now. But when he is afraid of something, I try to talk him through things that he's afraid of and let him know that he doesn't have to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid, but he doesn't have to be afraid because of X, Y, Z. So this is the little um, nugget from Anxious Moms, um, the therapist. Do you have anxiety as a kid? Me? No. I followed the rules so I wouldn't get into trouble. And I didn't take risks so I wouldn't die. Therapist? That's That's anxiety. Me. Wait. I had anxiety as a kid. It's all starting to make sense. And baby, when I tell you, when they said I followed the rules so I wouldn't get in trouble, I didn't take risks so I wouldn't die, that is me. That is still me. I followed the rules at school. I followed the rules at work to the T, to the T. Even when I work from home, I it's, I probably work harder when I work at home than when I'm at work because I just always want to make sure that people know that I'm working. And so I truly identify with this. Never got in trouble at school, never had detention or anything like that. Like I said, I was quiet. I never rode roller coasters. I was the designated purse holder when we would go to Astroworld. This is me. And I didn't identify with having anxiety or depression until later in life because guess what? I learned what that looked like for me and from studying psychology and I wasn't afraid to claim these things because I felt like it's okay to claim these things because I feel like it makes you a better person if you know what you're dealing with. And so that's my take on being an anxious mom. Thank y'all for bearing with me and my speech and everything. I promise you, as I keep doing these every week and really stay in the groove and I'll get even more practice since I'm doing two podcasts a week. So it's going to get better. So thank you in advance. If you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me on social media on Instagram, I am oh mama you thought pod and that's mama spelled M-A-M-A. And then pod, P-O-D. On Twitter, I am O-M-I-T, the letter T, podcast. Um, email is thought at gmail.com. And TikTok is Y as in yellow, T as in Tom, podcast. Um, my small business that I have for custom um, wear for your kids and your loved ones. Um, KyrieandCompany.com. You can find me on Etsy at Kyrie and Co. Co. Period. Um, on Etsy, um, we'll be relaunching the Kyrie and Company website this quarter. So I have a month or so to do that. And so that's all for this episode. Um, if you have any tips or tricks as far as getting through potty training, let me know. If you want to share your vaginal delivery stories or your c-section delivery stories 
feel free to do so. If you want, have a question that you would like for me to answer on the show, email me, DM me, however you want to contact me. If you don't want me to say your name, tell me that. And again, you can find me on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, rss.com, tuned in. Um, where else? Where else? Um, I'm just about everywhere. iHeartRadio. I'm all these places. So check me out and don't forget to listen and subscribe to my other podcasts. Oh, you thought. And with that, have a good weekend and I will talk to y'all next week. Until next time, remember to be thankful for another day to get it right. Hold your head up high and stay strong. See you next week.